Hello, catfish people. Welcome to the Peter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. Well, hello, folks. Welcome to the podcast. Hope everybody is doing good today, whatever day it is that you happen to be listening. Uh, this is podcast. Uh, we're still under 30. We hadn't hit 30 yet. Uh, I've kind of been keeping a rough count on how many I've got in the can. And uh, we're knocking on the door 30, still trying to figure things out, figure out what we're doing, learn how to play the game here and uh, make it a better experience for you. So I appreciate you hanging in there. Appreciate you uh, following uh, the podcast and also following my YouTube channel. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, I've got a YouTube channel, Dieter Melhorn Fishing, and uh, a lot of good fishing videos on there. All of the stuff is available. Uh, you can link to it very easily. Just go to my website, DieterMelhornFishing.com. I've got a link there to the podcast. I don't know how you came across the podcast here, but... You can always link onto it there. You can also hit my YouTube channel, and I've got all my fishing gear and all that kind of stuff listed there on my website, DieterMelhornFishing.com. So go check it out. But yeah, I appreciate you checking my, checking out the uh, podcast, seeing what's going on. Uh, we've got a uh, interview today. Uh, a lot of my podcasts here recently have been me jacking my jaws, and I uh, appreciate you being tolerant of that, but... I personally think the better ones are when I get to talk with some other folks, and I think that makes it more interesting, good time to bounce some ideas back and forth, get other people's feedback on stuff, and hear what they got to say more than what I got to say. I've usually got a bunch of good questions for the uh, people that I talk with, and I think it's a pretty good exchange. And uh, Today's podcast, I'm actually going to be talking with the director of the Cabela's King Cat fishing tournament series and uh his name's jeremy Coe. he's a great young fella i say young fella uh i can say that he's uh, not that old and but i'm telling you when you hear him talk and you hear what he's got to say you'll he he's wise way beyond his years i've been impressed with him since uh i first met him and the way he runs the tournaments the way he handles himself uh, the way he handles the tournament series, and I don't know where he's going in this industry, but he will be going places, and uh, very impressive guy, uh, does a very good job. They were having a tournament on Lake Watery, and I was down in the area, wasn't able to fish the tournament, but I messaged him and uh, asked him if he would sit down with me for a little bit to do a podcast, and uh I rode over to Camden, which is the town in South Carolina that is hosting the event, and uh, we got to the arena uh, where they were holding the, uh, I believe it was the captain's meeting that evening. Got there nice and early before everybody got in. He was just rolling in with his uh, Nissan Titan truck and the big trailer uh, with all the stuff loaded up inside of it that it takes for them to run a tournament. Uh, it's a pretty big deal, and uh, what they do, uh, I'm not sure how many they're doing a year now, but it's at least once a month, and they also do a series of crappie tournaments. Uh, it's a lot of work, folks, and uh, it, it, doing it locally is one thing. When you have to do what they do on the road, I think he had logged 80-some thousand miles on the truck last year, and uh not only do you have to come in for the tournament day to get all this stuff set up, but generally you're in there in the off months during the winter, during the fall, uh, meeting with these people, negotiating what it's going to take to get a tournament there, 
and then doing all the logistics to get all that stuff set up. So it's a lot of work. It's a full-time job. It's just not that weekend that they're having a tournament. So I tip my hat to Jeremy, all the people uh, that are on the staff there, and also a lot of the other tournaments out there that are doing the same thing. Uh, One of our local tournaments, the Southeastern Catfish Club, they put on a monthly tournament, I believe, eight months out of the year. It's a lot of work, and uh, they don't make any money doing it or hardly any money doing it. Uh, it is a labor of love. Uh, it's a passion project, whatever you want to call it. And uh, it's a lot to get done and a lot to take on. So I tip my hat to any of you folks out there that, that are doing those kind of things and putting on these kind of tournaments. So, But uh, without any further ado, we will uh, let you hear from Jeremy Coe, the director of the Cabela's King Cat Catfish Tournament Series. All right, my first most important question for you. How many miles do you drive a year? So this truck that I'm in now, uh, we got it this very first tournament of last year, so the 18 season, and I put 89,000 miles on it. Yeah, the people that are listening to the podcast can't see it, but we're taping this at the event at Watery. Yep. And I met him here at the arena, so that's why it has a little arena noise to it. And when he pulled the truck into the arena, I noticed it's got 89,000 miles worth of bugs on the front of it. And I it said, does. Hey. And you should thank me because I took them all out in Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina. I got them all. <laughs> and we almost stopped and cleaned it. But when my truck said 100 degrees outside, I just thought that everybody could deal with it like we did. Exactly. So. Exactly. By the way, if you're driving a, a Nissan, smart man. Yes. I like you already. Yes. So. Uh, no, a lot of people, a lot of my listeners are not into tournament fishing, Yeah, but they're captivated by the catfish world. Tell us your background and how you, it seems like you've been doing this since you were 12 years old. Close. Tell us your background and how you got into this. So I started when I was five foot tall, a little older than 12. Yeah. Uh, actually, I started when I was 18, um, 18 or 19. Uh, so I, I worked at an outdoor store. I ended up meeting uh, my boss, who's Daryl, and I actually met one of his partners. There was five partners at the time. And uh, he bugged me to keep going to Florida to run crappie tournaments on the weekends. And I'd just laugh and tell him that unless he was going to give me a job, I couldn't do that because that's when they wanted an 18-year-old to work. And um, I let them run off to Florida for two weeks and fish and have fun and uh, met with Daryl, which everybody, most people know who Daryl is. I met with him on Tuesday and left with our old tournament director, Tanner Tabor, on Wednesday and headed to Texas. And so it just, wow. everything happens for a reason. Jump and, in. And it's been a first. blast. So it's been, this is my seventh season okay. uh, running fishing tournaments, both crappie and catfish. So. Now, had you even ever fished in a tournament of any kind? Never the- fished in a tournament. Of course, my dad uh, comes from a bass background. I right. uh, fished the Redman tournaments growing up. So. I grew up in in a fishing frame of mind, I guess you could say, but uh, worked at the fishing counter as a teenager, and so it just kind of worked out. Now, getting into that, not knowing that whole world, was it a little bit of ignorance is bliss, and it was just... Oh, it is. It's been a learning. <laughs> it's been such a learning process. I tell people, I probably couldn't go out there and win a tournament, but by God, I know, I know all the right things to do, so yeah. I, could, I could be tough. Yeah. Now, 
The company also does crappie tournaments, yep. or crappie tournaments, crappie. as we call them. We're, in the we're out here in the Carolinas. It's crappie. It's not yeah. crappie. Now that's an interesting point. How do you deal with that? Dealing with people nationwide. What? Uh, how do you say it? It's a process. It's like people see our trailers and think we are Cabela's and want to return stuff to us. And it's no different than <laughs> do they really? species. Yes, it's I never awful. thought about that. So you go to Florida and they don't even know what a crappie crappie is. It's a speck. Right. And you go down there and you just have to socolay specks. Crappy, crappy, you just get used to it. And you just have to go down the list till somebody figures out what you're talking about. <laughs> gotcha. What's the big difference between the two tournaments? So there's not a lot of difference. Uh, our crappie trail started in 1984 uh, with the old crappie thon, Johnson Fishing. Uh, I mean, it was one of the, it was probably the largest fishing promotions ever in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, give away thousands of dollars in tag fish promotions. Uh, so that ran its course till about 1995 when Johnson got broke up as a monopoly that whole Johnson and Johnson family group. Um, now explain to people real quick how the old crappy thon worked. It was all tagged fish. So uh, they had about five or six directors that would go out and this was way before I was born. Right, right. Uh, but they would go out tag fish, you know, a month in advance. And in that month's time frame, uh, if you caught, you had to go to a bait shop wherever, back before social media, yeah. you had to actually go and see people. Uh, you would buy a ticket, like $20 or yeah. something, and if you caught a tagged fish, you would go turn it into a bait shop and they would pay you whatever that fish was yeah. worth. And they had several, like Tangle Free Tom, that was $50,000. I remember and, all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then they actually had a tournament at the end of the month, uh, a crappie-thon tournament. So it all kind of King Cat, that's how King Cat started. Yeah. Uh, Daryl, who was my boss, was one of the first tournament directors, uh, ran the roads tagging fish, and then in 1995, when Johnson & Johnson decided they were out of the fishing world, got broke up, uh, him and nine other guys bought Crappie-thon right, started Crappie USA. Cabela's come on board the year I was born, 1994. And uh, it's been history ever since, and Cabela's was actually the ones that approached them and said, hey, you know, the cat fishermen are supporting the stores they're buying there's more people buying catfish stuff uh, so we're going to start and we want you to start and design a catfish trail and in, in daryl's words he said no we're just the crappie guys so you need to find somebody else and they said well you don't understand and i've met this guy that said this and you would probably do what he said but he said no you don't understand uh we're gonna get behind a catfish trail and you're gonna start and design it and then it was kind of when do you want to start and so King Cat started in 03. Yeah. So that was, if I'm not mistaken, I, I say nationwide, it was the first one that was like yeah. multi-state. Multi-state, more on a national level. You still had like the world championship at catfishing mm -hmm. at Savannah. And I think there was several trails, like local trails that mm -hmm. had started popping up. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of the local trails, as far as I can see, kind of popped up in the late 90s. Uh, but I think King Cat was the first national trail in terms of multiple states kind yeah. of the kind of the concept that you see most fishing tournaments now on a national level and quite honestly i think y'all's trail was responsible for creating some local tournaments yeah uh i don't know mm -hmm. if you realize that but a lot of them i know the early qualifications part of it was you had to like now you had to fish in a tournament series and there weren't always ones around, so they yeah. started allowing these other qualifying tournaments. Right. And right. there were tournament trails. One of the ones that I used to be president of, Carolina Catfish mm -hmm. Club, 
started out for that reason, so there were tournaments around yeah. this area. And originally, it was you just had to fish one of those affiliate clubs, mm -hmm. and you could come fish the Classic. Because like you said, I think there was only, what, six to ten the first, you know, several years that King Cat was going. Uh, but it got people like Carl Moore started. You know, mm -hmm. he fished the tournament on Mosquito Lake, Little Bitty Lake in Ohio, and uh, went to Milford, and he says he got his butt handed to him, and, and now they're one of the best teams in the country yeah. in terms of catfishing. So it's got so many people started, and a lot of those people have either got old and quit fishing or kind of just went away, and there's still a lot of them still running hard and mm -hmm. like Carl Morris and them. Um, but you're starting to see a lot of new guys come yeah. up through those affiliate clubs. Yeah. How many states exciting. are y'all in now? Uh, this year I'm in like 12 or 13 states. Uh, yeah. Next year it could be closer to 18. Wow. So That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. What are, what's the limitation there? I mean, obviously, I guess miles, but that's, that's a lot of ground to cover in the off season, if you have one, to get all this stuff in place and find but the, and go into that a little bit, people just think, oh, we're just going to put a tournament on Watery or, or Santee <laughs> Cooper. There's a little bit more to it than that. I have a lot of tournaments already scheduled for 2021, 2022. Uh, it's a whole process. People don't understand, and you've done it. It's Even on a smaller level, it's so much work. But when you have the Cabela's and you're dealing with cities and we're printing brochures, um, you know, Right now, I'm more focused on next year, and it's just my brain doesn't function much this time of year. So uh, we're getting everything ready for next year, but it's so much work to do. Uh, but in terms of the amount of locations, one of the good things that the catfishermen have to understand is we do crappie. Uh, I've been around the bass world a lot, and there's a lot of lakes farther north you get that get smaller crappie, and it's not as popular. Um, you know, walleyes in a certain little market up north and kind of down a little bit. But everybody's got catfish, mm -hmm. and that's just uh, the sport of catfishing has so much potential that a lot of these people see nationally that I get to talk to that a lot of people don't get to talk to. But your bass boat manufacturers, Earl Bentz, Ray Scott, people like that all understand that catfishing can be the top dog. Um, so it's kind of a unique thing that everybody's got catfish. It's just which places are more popular than others. Mm -hmm. um, and there's as many catfishermen out west as there is out east, and I'm kind of playing the teeter-totter. Yeah. We had a lot of championships here at Waterree for a few years, and I got to go to Kansas next year. Then you got to have one in the middle for everybody, and it's a, it's a lot of work, but it's just mainly wherever the most popular areas are. And, yeah. and if I can feasibly do it, you know, we'd like to get in as many states as we can to give everybody a chance at least one or yeah. two. Well, without going into any top secret business plans, how big can y'all take this or how big do you see taking it? Because you guys are probably, you're into the, I would put the mega tournament yeah. world because you're doing so many and covering such a big area. What's what's kind of the limit? Do you see this growing for you guys? Uh, what's kind of your thinking on that? Yeah, and, and a lot of it is just the angler support. You know, we have so many guys chasing the points. Uh, there's 15 points teams that are there with me everywhere I go uh, from all kinds of different states. So it really takes the anglers participation to come out uh, and support these. But, you know, even right now, uh, you know, I hear a lot about payback and, and, and we don't pay back 100%. Mm -hmm. It's just not feasible. Right. We can't, can't do that. But we're paying back 75%. So if you have 100 boats, uh, I mean, the total payback is 
25, pushing $30,000, paying back over 15 spots. So the more boats, the more payback. It's not just a set amount to where we get it. Um, so the possibility is endless. And the only way that I can grow it and get these, were one of our topics here in a minute is, you know, out of the fishing market sponsors. Because mm -hmm. the fishing world gets hit so hard. So right. you have to get your Walmarts, your Chevrolets, your big companies that can funnel like what you've seen in NASCAR. And, mm -hmm. and we're the same company as NASCAR, NBA, MLB, NCAA. We're all a promotional group. It's just going after that money to build up your own sport. So the more participation they see coming to Fish King Cat, the more people you can get behind, whether it be the big gas station chain. Mm -hmm. And the more we can start paying back. So the whole potential is in the fishermen. And I can take it as far as the fishermen will help me take it. So yeah. Where do you think that is where you see it going? You've seen some evolution. You're still young. Oh, I've seen you, a lot in seven years. Yeah, it's yeah amazing. and it has. And, it, and honestly, I've been around it longer, but it seems like there has been a really big ramp up. What do you think is, if anything, what do you think is holding it back from getting to that point to where a BP signs on or somebody like that that says, wow, we've got a lot of eyeballs looking at this. People don't understand how many eyeballs really look at them. Uh, you know, these big companies, they think there's some CEO that sits up at the top and never sees any of this. But with social media in today's world, um, you can say one bad thing and King Cat, or not King Cat, but Catfish as a whole on social media has not been the greatest. And it was really bad when I started and it's kind of working itself out. And it will continue to get better and work itself out. Um, but I mean, there's so many people, a Ford or a BP that could be sitting there and, and just like me and you were talking about with some of these big companies in the spotlight in today's world, uh, they see more than you think they see. So I think that's what's a lot of holding it back because the participation's there, you know, uh, I've, what, Southeastern's got, what, 80 boats on water? Uh, last I heard was yeah. 80 something. Yeah. yeah, and so the participants are there, these big tournaments, uh, you know, our classics giving away $120,000, giving away a $60,000 boat. Gonna have 120, 130 people at our classic or teams. And so it's more or less the public image that the catfishermen, even though there's not enough money in it to quit your job and be quote unquote, professional where that's how you make your living people out here in the public that come watch that way in still consider the fishermen professional anglers so you had to kind of treat yourself as a professional angler uh, treat yourself image that way and that goes for social media everything else and when that starts changing it changes the whole world because yeah. there's people like Ford BP that sit back and say oh there's way too much social media drama and in today's world and social media takes one thing and you can never take it back or stop it. Mm -hmm. You know, they can say one thing about me and you and we can't delete it and stop it and you can't repair some of that. So, you know, there's a lot of people that have stepped back from the catfish world that will never know because of some of that. But I think that's the biggest thing holding it back is we have to change the public image and change the way we go about handling things too. Yeah. And that includes fish regulations dealing with uh, fishing game because they're no different you know that comes with dealing with everybody yeah it's changing your public image so. you gave me two good segues I don't know which one to go with I'm gonna go with Shoot. 
We can, we can talk about either one. <laughs> We're going to get back to social media because that's very important. It's definitely on my list. But you mentioned the Southeastern Catfish Club and their tournament this weekend. And what happened for the people that are listening, because of some scheduling stuff that happened and a whole bunch of complicated stuff, they are actually having their tournament, which is normally on a Saturday, on a Friday, which is yeah. the day we're taping this. You guys are doing yours tomorrow. They kind of made a calculated decision. We either do it a week away, we do it yeah. the same day. Or you get them is, all while they're yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. so. That's the, that's the biggest, that's the toughest part of my job. It's not a headache because everybody has their dates and everybody's got time to work around. Mm -hmm. You know, they're working a full-time job, Brian and them. This yeah. is my full-time job, so yeah. it's a little bit different. Um, and with as many tournaments going on, uh, it's just impossible. Yeah. There's only 50-something weekends in a year. Yeah, now, just... I consider, what I was getting at here is I consider them a big tournament. They've evolved into what it I is. consider. And you're drawing 80 boats a, a, a at every tournament. tournament. That's big. And what, I, what I'm curious about is entry fees. You guys have a higher entry fee. They have a lower entry fee. Obviously, you've got operational costs, all that stuff. Where do you think that price point sweet spot is? And what do you think the tolerance is for anglers out there? Because obviously, I mean, you look at a, you know, a BASS tournament, one of the elite series. Last time I heard and talked to some of those guys back in the day before the split and everything, it was $5,000 to enter a tournament. But you paid, you had to fish five, and you have to pay for all of them all of a year them. in advance, or you don't fish. Yeah, I mean it was. Uh, yeah, they were telling me eighty to a hundred thousand dollars for the entire year between oh. everything you have to do pre-fishing, oh, hotels, gas, entry, yeah. everything. Where do you think the sweet spot is as far as you have anglers all the time in the catfish tournament world? You're like, want bigger payouts, higher fees, and then somebody comes and does it, and, and they, twenty boats show up. Yeah, and then you got somebody like Southeastern Catfish Club that does one, which. I'm really shocked at the turnout on a Friday. 80 boats. Their fees, 100 bucks. Where do you see that evolving here? And it's a it's a double-edged sword, and as the sport grows, things like that change, and then you start bringing in some of these other companies that's got more money. So now, uh, it's not just being paid back on their entry fees. You can throw in an extra twenty, thirty thousand dollars because somebody give you a million dollars to work with and put into your you know, payback throughout the year. So that changes as the sport grows. Uh, and we've always tried to preach family, you know, get the family more of a family environment. Um, and I've always said that the day people have to start refinancing their houses and because they had to have a $100,000 boat and a $100,000 truck and they start losing their families and that's the day I'm out. Uh, yeah. Because that, that takes a lot out of what we've always kind of practiced what you preach. And there's so many families that fish now, but I think you get much higher than what we're looking at. Uh, it gets a little tough because not everybody can afford to take off work and go spend a thousand dollars minimum on a weekend yeah. tournament. Um, but it, it takes everybody. It takes the clubs to get people interested. And some people never want to, they want to fish one on their home lake and it's a club tournament mm -hmm. and that's it. And that's fine. And some people don't want fish tournaments. It's a whole group effort, you know. Yeah. The people that don't fish tournaments can still grow the sport of catfishing. Right. Because it's sport of catfishing is not just tournament fishing. Um, so ever there's a niche for everybody. And you know, like the clubs here get new people involved because they run 10 here locally. And then these guys start getting good and they say, hey, I think this is awesome. We want to go bigger. I mean, I, it so might they, be worth the pay yeah, They come up and it, now yeah. they start competing against Tennessee, Virginia, Ohio maybe even going all out to Kansas. And, and it 
everybody has their part in growing the sport. And uh, so in terms of sweet spot, it's just what you have going in life. Yeah. You, you think you guys are at it now? I think so. And, and I was at first skeptical last year. It, mm -hmm. it come to blows. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, we've got new owners that have done a tremendous job out of Louisville. And yeah. I mean, we've got bigger show, you know, yeah. trying to upgrade our image and everything's been on the up and up, but that was the one thing that I was, do not change it. You know, it's hard enough for people to take off work and come. Uh, and I was just, I was worried. It bothered me. I lay to sleep at night. Yeah. People don't realize how stressful it can be. Yeah. Um, but it has actually had a lot of positives. You know, uh, like I said, 100 boats. If we had 100 boats here, it'd pay back close to $30,000, uh, which before it wouldn't have paid back near that. Yeah. And so you're getting the bigger payouts if they show up. And that 25% is going back to pay for that $120,000 classic. So mm -hmm. the fishermen don't understand they're getting it one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, it's just going around on the back end uh, so we can keep these trucks and trailers rolling because mm -hmm. we don't keep them rolling by fishermen's entry fees. And that's a good point. I think fishermen understand it more now. Five years ago, 10 years ago, uh, you would hear the complaint. Well, whatever tournament don't pay back 100%, they're keeping part of the money. And I've been a big, all along saying, listen guys, it's one thing if you're doing a fruit jar tournament three nights during the summer with some of your buddies. That's right, that's right. But when you're doing what you do, you guys gotta make money, you gotta make a living, you got a business that you're running. It takes a, try putting on one tournament. I tell people that I'm, put, put on one tournament, try rounding up some sponsors for it, and you'll realize yeah. that it, it's, it's. And people don't understand the, cost associated on the back end and you know we have five full-time employees uh, Ron Presley who's our writer that does our post press releases media mm -hmm. uh, we've got a graphics artist that builds our brochures does our online magazine uh, you got me and Daryl that do day-to-day -day operations you got office mm -hmm. people to answer the phones and take entries uh, and it ain't cheap to put 90,000 miles on a vehicle and maintain them either it's a lot going into yeah. it so it's uh, there's a lot associated and tournament insurance is it's outrageous, you know, uh, just to be able to insure all of these events and insure the fishermen and make sure nobody gets hurt and it just. Now, uh, interesting question on tournament insurance. Is that one of the things that keeps a lot of tournaments from doing night tournaments? Yes. Getting insurance. I would it? love to do night tournaments, but when you go to the insurance agent and you say, "Hey, there's going to be 45 boats," uh, and that's one of the reasons we don't do a lot of blast-off tournaments because. Um, in, in the days of big fishing tournaments, the insurance companies have started, because people get hurt, mm -hmm. you know, a boat hits a wake, flips, um, and in some cases, people don't ever come back to the boat ramp. And so, uh, it's just safer the way we do it and, and don't have to worry about the insurance, because it yeah. gets, then people would really be mad yeah. when you started. <laughs> but that is a good thing, you yeah. are insured a lot, yeah. of, and that's another thing a lot of tournaments don't realize, it's one of the reasons we quit doing with the Carolina Catfish Club, because the insurance end of it is you, again, if it's a bunch of your buddies going fishing, throwing yeah. $20 in the hat, it's one thing. You start getting big and people you don't know very, uh, it's, it's a- it's Yeah, a and in a club situation, if somebody gets hurt, they come take your house and everything that your family's got. And it's just, uh, it's just the world we live in today. Exactly. So. The other segue we had earlier, uh, social media, along the lines of what I want to talk about, expanding the audience. I've, I've said for a long time that I believe one of the, the things the tournaments have fell short on is they're basically preaching to the 
100 guys that are standing in front of the weigh-in table exactly right. and they're missing an opportunity. And I've said half of them are mad and pissed off that they didn't win, so they ain't listening to what's being said That's anyway. Right. Or they're hot and tired and they're out there talking to their buddies. Exactly. Yeah. I, I do the same thing. Trust yeah. me, I'm guilty of it. Uh, what do you see on that evolution uh, as far as either getting this stuff on TV, what's left of outdoor TV, okay. or social media feeds, live feeds, TikTok, I don't know. Uh, what, <laughs> Snapchat, what, what, whatever. Yeah. There's so many different platforms now. Uh, so when I started, of course, you know, we were, we've been in business for 30 years, but I started as an 18-year-old that I, I grew up in that. I hate, hate social media personally. Mm -hmm. For my Do sake, you really? I hate As it. young as you are, I you're 100% uh, millennial. Yes, I am a millennial, but I despise it. And he does not have a beard, folks. Just so you know, me and my <laughs> millennial beard rant, he is clean-shaven, a sharp-looking young man. Yes. And he's turning red now. I'm embarrassed. So, <laughs> so uh, one of my big pushes, of course, that's the way of the world now is social media. So from a business aspect, uh, any business, I don't care if you're selling, you know, girls clothes or if you're selling fishing stuff, uh, social media is a huge part of our life now. And it's instant. You can be sitting there in Texas and watch a tournament in South Carolina take place and it's instant. You don't have to wait for me to load up my trailer and get a drink of water to finally put the results on Facebook. So that was a big push of mine. Uh, and then Facebook come out with their live deal. And I guess that's why I dislike it so much because I would try to do it. And you know, when you try to use technology and it's 100 degrees outside and your phone overheats, everything goes wrong when you try mm -hmm. to go live or do something like that. And you're trying to run away in yeah, and get and, people through a way in line. Me and Mike or me and my stepdad or whoever and, and my main priority at that point is to weigh fish. Right. Weigh fish, make sure they go back in the water, and it's not the live feed. Uh, but that is a big part of what I want to try to make happen. So over the past six years, uh, it's been an evolution. Some have been good, some have been bad. Some people have decided to be not very nice about it. And mm -hmm. uh, I always tell them that the job is open. Don't pay much, but you're more than welcome to come put on the full production. But I uh, finally got you know a system to where I can go multiple camera angles yeah. with all iPhones, iPads, so I can control it, uh, and that's it's just a process, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, but that is huge because you're not only uh, you're reaching out and getting people excited about the sport that may not fish tournaments, may not even have a boat, mm -hmm. um, but they get excited and then one day they buy a boat, and then that builds you know the boat sector and uh, it gets all of these people on board. The more they start supporting catfish, so. Um, any given live feed that we do, we're reaching 10 to 20,000 people mm -hmm. in two days. And so that's 10 to 20,000 people that saw catfish. And that all helps in the full swing of catfish regulations, protecting catfish, because the more people that see it and appreciate it, the more people that will get behind you and help. So it's all full swing. And like it said, also helps with the non-endemic sponsors, non because right. you're, you're a, you've got people that are watching and they need gas, they need groceries, I try you know, they need paper towels. I try it. And they start promoting through it, whether it's you as a uh, pro staff, uh, whatever you're doing, if your reach is huge, you know, that they would rather be with some of the pro staff people than me because they have more followers. Um, but it's no different than what they used to do on TV. So right. it's changing. 
Um, but that is a big push of ours, and I know one of your big points that I've heard you talk about is allowing. You actually listen to what I say? I do. Oh man, I listen to everybody. I got, that's, that's three viewers. I'm like one of those silent people that listens to everybody, <laughs> but doesn't say anything. So you're you know, one of the smart ones yes, for not saying yes. anything. I just listen to see what people's opinions are. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, one of the big things that we always had was as a the higher up trail. We didn't want people calling and, you know, we wanted it to be more competitive to mm -hmm. where they couldn't share information or call up their buddy and say, oh, just come on over here and fish. So as social media became popular, well, then it, half of the people thought, well, she went live or he went live and I can tell where they're fishing. So that's mm -hmm. no different than me calling them. And it's like, well, yeah, this is true. Even though I don't agree with it, I think everybody should be able to go live because it keeps people involved all day long and then they come watch the weigh-in mm -hmm. and come watch the live weigh-in or maybe if they're local they just show up yeah and are there um so that's one of them deals just it's no different than anything else as time changes rules change and, and i think that's something that's going to change even possibly for next year to where I go live you know the more people you can get active and involved the better so which awesome. is kind of the way we see the live weigh-ins um you know up until the past six months when my brain shut down, it's, I used to do a lot of live things during the week. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's helped a lot because it keeps people updated because people work, they forget that the tournament's coming up. And then they get here the week of and it's like, oh, I forgot. So the more you keep it in, in their brains, the more Absolutely. likely they are to come. So Absolutely. It just keeps part of that niche, keeps everybody involved and keeps the sport growing. And, yep. and that, the more the better. So. Well, one other thing that you've heard me talk about uh, is tournament limits, fish yeah. limits. I've been a big do away with the five fish limit. Uh, you probably heard my arguments for it. We won't go through them again. Yeah. Give me your opinion on that. And what have you guys seen with your tournament series? So I have several different opinions. I, I mean, I can fight both battles like I can in mm -hmm. most topics because I can see both sides of it. Um, so I guess starting with, I guess, pros for the five fish limit is you go to a lot of these places like Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, anywhere that's got a one fish per person over limit. Uh, so in the competitive mind, uh, there's guys that can go out there and catch a big fish. They're really good fishermen. They can go find those big holes, no different bass crappie. Um, some of your better anglers that have been at it longer can go find big fish. But so many times, guys that catch five quality fish of the same size can beat out those two big fish that them guys bring in. So unders win the majority of my tournaments. Two days, unders play a key and who finishes well on the second day. Um, so there's a lot more competitiveness in those three under fish. But then you get into the point to where people don't always take care of their fish. And sometimes mother nature has a weird way. You know, I've heard of people that used to eat fish or take catfish and throw them in the bed of a truck and then be alive two hours later. Well, it's not that way when you're trying to keep them alive. When you're trying to keep them alive, <laughs> they decide to go the opposite way and die on you. Yeah. So there's gonna be days that that fish, for whatever reason that we'll never know, decides that he's done and he gives up and it's over. Mm -hmm. um, and that may be because he was stressed and alive well, whatever it may be, but you put five big fish, even in an 80, 90 gallon live well, you have two 60s in there with you know, three big unders. It's all them live wells can hold. Uh, so your winter months, when it's not as hot, it's not as prevalent, 
But you take a tournament like today in 100 degree weather, um, I was talking about it on the way up here. Uh, for once in my life, we have good weather here. It's gonna be 76 tomorrow. It's gonna drop over 20 degrees yeah. overnight. But I'm not too sure I wouldn't make it three in 100 degree weather because no wind, they sit in line. Um, we've had that problem here when it's hot. Uh, three, you're still gonna lose a fish or two. It just, it's just what happens. It's nothing nobody can control sometimes. Um, so I, I can fight both sides. Both have their positives and negatives. You know, a three fish weigh-in can take a competitive factor out of it, or even a two if they just catch two big fish. You know, a guy go out there and catch two little ones, he knows he don't have a chance over one big fish. Uh, so it kind of takes that one big fish factor out of it. But we're open, you know, we're a membership-based group. Uh, we've asked the question lots of times, and, and it's all what the membership wants. You know, if the membership said, hey, we are all for going to three fish weigh-in, that's as less fish I got to handle. Yeah. And I'm sure my help would rather have a three fish weigh in because they're not pulling you South Carolina yeah. boys bringing big pontoons in and yeah. lifting it over your head. So, yeah. you know, you take a three fish weigh in and it's easier on my staff, it's easier on the fish. Um, so it's just a. And it probably speeds up the process. It speeds I would up. Say. You take somebody trying to catch two little fish and they take three minutes. Well, that's three extra minutes. By the end of the weigh-in line, that turned into 30 minutes. Exactly. And then you got them sitting in the weigh-in line, and it's, yeah. Let me ask your opinion on this, because I, I, I said this the other day and started thinking about it. Say hypothetically, tournaments went to a two-fish deal, okay? Some people argue you can get lucky, catch whatever. Do you think, and you know catfish tournaments, good, uh, tur uh, tournament anglers as good as anybody, do you think those anglers will change their fishing habits, strategies, tactics, and the same guys will be rising to the top and winning the tournaments? I think so. I mean, it creates a, it's one of them double-edged swords. It creates a, a deal where they have to change their tactics or they, you know, you have to be able to change your tactics to compete, whether that's bumping, drifting, anchoring, or whether you're looking for two fish versus five fish. So mm. uh, it's gonna change anybody's tactics to be able to compete, uh, to just go out. I mean, you're just going out to find those big fish. You're not going out to catch 20 eaters or 20 little fish just to have take a kid out there and have fun. You know, you're going out there to target a, a specific fish. So um, it can make it more competitive. That's, that's one of them deals. I, I can see both sides of it. it it's, it's more or less what the anglers decide that they want to see King Cat do uh, that, that dictates that. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm fight all angles of it. Yeah. Last so. question. Uh, if you get to change something, make something happen, whatever in the catfish tournament world, if you had your little magic wand to go poof, it's going to happen. What, what would that be? It's going to be the social media. It's killer. Uh, it's, it's killing our sport, this, the back and forth drama. Um, and I'll preach it. I, it's it's controversial, I know, but uh, people don't understand. And I told you that we would not talk about anything controversial. I, I would well, have no controversial questions. There's there's good controversy, <laughs> and, and yeah. it's it's just the way, like I said, it's just the way our world operates today, and yeah. it's sad. But you know, you can't disagree or agree to disagree type situation. You know, I'm I'm right, you're wrong, mm -hmm. and let's fight about it. That's the way it goes. But um, I've had 
the blessing and the opportunity to meet a lot of these people that started bass and started these big boat companies and uh, everybody talks about catfish mm -hmm. I, Hank Parker, Bill Dance, they all talk about how catfish can be big they don't even talk about what bass is now, they talk about how catfish could be this big huge sport um, so I see the people that grew these other industries to multi-million billion dollar industries and then I see us fighting over something stupid on Facebook and it's like guys we could be so much more and that goes back to that personal image so that that is the biggest thing that I see that I would love to change is just that personal you know hey I'm a pro let's handle this yeah we can still talk about it but let's handle it a different right. way and um, so from a from a person that gets to see those people that could get behind it and and blow it up and and I could help do that easy but then you know it, yeah. it takes the whole takes the whole army to get behind it and do it yeah so. I thought of one thing if you've got two minutes one. I got lots of minutes okay yes. I didn't know how much time you, you had um, and along the lines of evolution of just catfish tournaments do you ever see anything like a different I guess you would call it format to tournaments like what they did with major league fishing in the bass world do you ever see anything to where you may have stages or divisions of the lake wrote they did something on one of them one time where they basically played it like holes of a golf course where you had to hop holes or insurance hey, I, 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 makes insurance bad <laughs> yeah uh it, the uh another one i you know a lot of the kayak tournaments do a photo tournament mm -hmm. where you measure them do you see any have you envisioned anything like that especially when you start incorporating in social media and that whole ability just to captivate people and have people watch it because that seems to me i know it'd be hard i don't know i, I don't think we're there i think we're yeah, it's still a ways out. Years from there, but have you ever given any thought to anything like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we uh, are filming our classic this year, filming some other shows next year uh, that we've got in the works, hopefully. And so as that changes, that Major League Fishing type, type style for TV and keeping them involved is, I mean, that just kind of redid the whole bass world and it made it really fun and interesting to watch. Um, the biggest problem there that I've seen in going out on a boat and filming catfish is some places you go and catch six to 10 fish a day. That was a great day. And bass and crappie fishing, you could go catch, and you could have a worse day, you could go catch two fish. Um, but the idea of going out there and catching, you know, 50, 60 fish and just one after the other, boom, 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 don't always happen in the catfish world. So that could be a factor, but I think it would definitely be awesome because the thing, that catfish has that nobody else has is it's our biggest freshwater sport fish or game fish as you would call it that are nationally recognized in these tournaments and stuff and it's the largest and it you know like that 115 pounder that Carl caught mm -hmm. there's people that I didn't even know followed catfish that saw that fish so we have a size factor that could really make a format like that just be awesome um, it's a good all factor on social yeah, media it is it is and you still have a importance at tournaments. You know, when we come to Camden, they want to see the boats come in. They want to see them all lined up to weigh in. So the tournament appeal of all the boats being lined up and the kids watching you pull them out one at a time and hold them up and goes back to they both have their pros and cons. And I think 
if you used them together, I, I think it would be an awesome, awesome deal. So, and then you take your losing your fish. Yeah, you, you get them, but then you get back on to where we need Dieter Melhorn and a whole crew that is technologically savvy and good internet to be able to do stuff like that. And that's that's actually not the point about me, but the internet thing. That is, uh, I had. Honestly, I wanted to go do some live stuff from their tournament today at the weigh-in, yeah. and that side of the lake's a black hole. Yeah, you can go is. 20 feet that way and have four bars and go this way and you can't hear a thing. And that, that a lot of these places, you know, are remote, and yeah. some of them more remote boat than room, others. That's right, and, especially uh, some of these boat ramps. That was one of the things I seen the guys with the PK tournament, they're actually getting a fiber line brought in, and you know, I've talked to yeah. people about that, trying to do live stuff. That's The guy that's actually coming that they have coming out to do it. Um, I don't guess Brian and them know, but he's on the same Facebook group with the system I have. And we were talking about it the other day, but he's doing the same thing. And it's just trying to figure out because the logistics of it could be, it could just be a pain in the butt when, yeah. it, when it comes to using technology. But I definitely think it's an awesome, awesome deal. So. Yeah. David, I want to thank you. I appreciate it. I know awesome. you got to well, get set you. up. And it's a blast that we get to come back to South Carolina next year. Might as well just talk about it. We get to be in your neck of the woods next if year. If you want to real quick, yeah. tell me what you guys have going on. So next year we're already going to be back at Santee Cooper in February. It's the very first tournament of the year. I think it's the first weekend of February. Uh, working on getting this one back in April. Because mm -hmm. um, that seems to be pretty good fishing here. First the folks April. in Camden seem to love you guys. Oh, they're, they're like family. If yeah. they'd just be a little closer to Kentucky, it'd be better. <laughs> um, but uh, then we're actually adding one that I've heard since I started, uh, just right on up the river, uh, up on Wiley, on the North Carolina side, up in uh, Belmont, that area, South Point Boat Ramp. That so. is my hometown, baby. That is your hometown. So, uh, But we'll be back at least three times. Uh, we're going to be on the James River, uh, East Tennessee on Watts Bar. So. Everybody kind of have a good shot at points if that's something they want to chase after or, yeah. or come come out and watch or come fish. So. And all the new people out there that know anything about y'all series, where do they go find all this information? Uh, they can get on kingcatusa.com, uh, go to our Cabela's King Cat Facebook page, uh, or find any fisherman that's ever fished. I got my cell phone number. Call me, text me, whatever. So oh, we'll, be, we'll be tickled. That's King Cat with a K. That's King Cat with a K. K-I-N-G-K-A-T-U-S-A.com. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. I want to thank Jeremy for taking the time to sit down with me and have that conversation. Uh, very candid, very honest, and uh, a lot of good information out there for people who are tournament fishermen or just interested in the sport. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that series grows. They are the most widespread, uh, cover more states than any other tournament series in the country. And uh, if you ever want to see a tournament that is put together well, managed well, run well, uh, go check out one of their tournaments. Go to a weigh-in. Go watch it. See how it's put together and uh, see how it's run. It's going to be interesting to see how they evolve, how they change uh, with this uh, changing landscape that we have in the uh, catfish world and the catfish tournament world. And uh, they're kind of the, uh, I guess, the... Uh, leader flagship out there so uh it'll be uh it'll be cool to see what they do and what their changes are that they'll implement and just how things go here in the future so thanks again to jeremy and all the folks and hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast and uh give me your feedback on it and uh we'll catch you on the water <laughs>